step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio. We are back, baby. It's been a while. It's been a long while. This is Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. We have producer Elijah behind the glass. It is good to have you here with us. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's my first ever Penalty Box Radio. I know. Welcome to our humble abode. I've been looking forward to it all day. <laughs> He's in for something. <laughs> We're going to run him out of here by the end of the night. Oh, probably. probably. That's kind of my goal. So notes, notes for you, Elijah. We like good music. We, we appreciate great bump music, so if you want to get creative, feel free to get creative We're not that. picky or needy, not, yeah. but we demand really good music Yeah, and a oh. few other things. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the best producer DJ in this building, awesome. so okay, uh, you, awesome. you, you've lucked out. See, okay, and that's what we've enjoyed. Ever since day one, we've always enjoyed great music to bump us in. So Because we yeah. like to dance, so what you have to deal with is watching us through the glass dance yeah. in here. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah. We're a little so. kooky. Yeah. We're a little <laughs> kooky. Boy, it's been since March 18th. <laughs> Since we've had a and Penalty Box Radio live show. Yeah, and it's July 22nd, and we just walked in the studio to talk about hockey again. <sighs> so usually we're about a month and a half away from training camp. Mm-hmm. But right now we're in a different kind of training camp, which yep. is a return to play training camp. And those of you who have been following along on Twitter, I appreciate that. It's been a crazy week and a half just from the start of the Phase 3 training camps as they prepare to go to the Phase 4 Secure Zone in Edmonton. <laughs> I, dun, dun, dun. You just it, sounded so official when you said it that. It sounds so official when you say phase four secure mm-hmm. zone. It sounds a little scary and intimidating, but also very official. It should be mm-hmm. because none of the players should be leaving the phase four secure <laughs> zone, <laughs> otherwise known as the bubble. The bubble. That, that sounds a lot lighter. A little more chipper. Yeah. Little yeah. More brighter. We'll so go with the bubble. It's been very interesting to see what, what has been experienced at Predators training camp because this is the training camp now that the John Hines didn't get. He came in, in the middle of the season, and all he was getting was maybe a day or two of practice in between games or still trying to make their push in the standings. And then here you have a pause, and boom, you're able to get you're able to you're able to do this. And so it's been curious to see how the progression has been so from day one to having a full on scrimmage today, mm-hmm. where the, the Predators scrimmaged an intro squad scrimmage and with plenty of physicality. <laughs> Plenty, plenty of things going on, plenty of hits. Yeah, lots of different things going on. So it's it's been curious to see that too. And so I asked John Hines just about some depth that the Predators do have right now because what we're seeing is a lot of Milwaukee Admirals, which will have Carl Taylor joining us later in the show, a lot of this depth too of just players that have NHL experience too. So when you think about it, the line's been pretty much set, but you have guys like Colin Blackwell, Yakov Trenin, Jared Tenorti. Um, you have Corbinian Holza that have – experience in the NHL and that's going to prove very important when you're trying to make a long run especially when there's going to be rust out there so here's what head coach John Hines had to say on depth for the team it's very important Justin I in in two ways you know I think I think when you internal competition is huge you know when 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 you have guys that all can play and everybody knows that they can play and maybe you're in the lineup and there's a guy you're looking over your shoulder to make sure that you you don't slip and, and uh, internal competition within a team is very healthy and, and it's important. 
the second part is when you get into um, you know these type of situations where it's high stakes hockey and, and there could be an injury or maybe someone's not playing as well as they need to uh, that you have the the uh, you have the resources as a coach where you can you can make a change and not only the coaching staff and management but also the team has a lot of confidence in whoever's coming into the, into play. And since day one, we've pretty much seen the lines be what we expect them to be. Jofa together, the Duchesne line has been pretty much the same as well. And then you have the America line with Benino. <laughs> <laughs> right? we got to call it this. It is. And then you have the, the fourth line, which has been Cal Yarnko, Colton Sissons, and Austin Watson. And then the extras have been Trennan and Blackwell. So good depth right now, depth with NHL talent. Uh, so it's been interesting to see this during training camp. And so... Going into this, too, Kyle Turris has been the topic of conversation for much all season, all the way back to October, which when you think was almost a year ago, <laughs> and how he was going to bounce back mm-hmm. and get a new head coach and starting to see more out of Kyle Turris. And in the scrimmage today, he had two good goals, and he's been pretty open and talking about, too, having this extra time and spent a lot of time talking with John Hines during the shutdown as well. So Kyle Turris, a little bit more in terms of confidence in mm-hmm. what he's doing, and here's what Kyle Turris has been experiencing. I feel good. I, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been nice how we've kind of, um, progressively up the intensity throughout camp and it's kind of allowed us to, to get back into it at a good pace and, and kind of rev things up as we get going here. I feel like it's benefited all of us in terms of feeling better and, and, uh, uh, there hasn't been any injuries, I don't think. And, and just in terms of being prepared, I think we're moving in the right direction and, and amping things up at the right time. And that's pretty much what, what it's been is a progression. Mm-hmm. And so going into this, Glenn, too, what were your expectations out, out of this team in terms of who you were thinking was going to need to step up after this pause? To be honest with you, that's very hard to answer because <laughs> what are any of our expectations right now other than just to wake up in the morning and just be like, oh, okay, I'm here. We're here. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think all I wanted to see just overall with the, the, that there still was something there, right? I think – a lot of our biggest worry was that this break that was so emotionally heavy for so many people around the world was going to be emotionally heavy for these people. And it very well could have been, but you can respond to that in two different ways. You know, it can go, it can go really great and you can be pushed and motivated by it, or it can have you fall back a little bit. And it doesn't look like this team has fallen back. So there wasn't anybody specific that I was like, okay, this, they, they got to get on the train. They got to do this. I think overall I was just, trying to keep my expectations low and just say, I hope they can get out there, look cohesive, have some sort of a system, look like they haven't really had this emotionally heavy break. And I feel like that's what we're seeing. I like the fact that I haven't been at at the scrimmage of the practices like you have, but I like that there's energy and physicality because that says that they're still holding on to that, that edge of, we got to do this, guys. They're not out there just flopping around, <laughs> and that would be that would be my worst expectation come come to life if they were just out there it'd flopping. Be, it'd be awful if we saw guys out there chopping broccoli like they're in the C League <laughs> or D League. In my case, <laughs> that'd be pretty brutal. And and to speak of that emotional heavy too, I asked Matthias Ekholm about this before too because he just recently finally got married. And that was supposed to take place, actually supposed to take place with, you know, people present and things like that. But it was very close there. You know, they have a baby, him and his wife do. And so they gets married, has to leave his family back in Sweden and come now and be away from them for a few weeks and then go to Edmonton and continue to be away. And that's heavy on a lot of these guys, too. Matt Duchesne is basically saying, I'm trying not to focus on it because 
I miss my kid, I miss my wife, I, everything about the family, just missing them. But what Matthias Eklund twisted that to in a great way was that that's what's going to inspire me. I, I want to play. I want to win for them. I want to say that I, my time sacrificed away from them inspires me to be better. So then it was worth something, too. It was worth me being away from my family because I went out and won. That was a great way to look at it. It gives you a lot of feels. That gets you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure he's not the only one, but it's great for him to actually vocalize that. Exactly. And to say that that's how he feels. And so let's, let's just hope that means that angry Ekholm is contained enough, but still out there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I mean, like you said, I mean, there might be other people that feel that way that just haven't really vocalized it yet. But it's very refreshing to hear that because that does bring everybody back. I know this is all for all the fans' entertainment. We all love watching the game, but... You know, these guys, no matter, you know, they're professional, they've made a lot of money, but yet they're, they've experienced this exact same thing. They've watched their families go through, you know, struggles. They've watched their friends go through struggles. So they've, they're all experiencing the same thing that we have been. And so it's impressive for me to see that they can come back as a team after this time apart and still have that, that edge, you know. And time apart, but coming back and having extra time now to actually have a training camp that they didn't have before, it's something that all of them have very much appreciated because they're getting to actually learn with their coach and take time with their coach. That's what we're seeing with John Hines is he's taking time to stop mm-hmm. and teach and to go through things and to make sure people understand. And so having this extra time has meant a lot to John Hines, and here's what he had to say about that. Yes, it is, and it's a, it's a, great, it's a great question. I think you know one of the things is, is – uh, you know, you come in mid-season, and basically every other day you're playing. So you're in. You know, the, the the games are so important when you get into the regular season. Where, you know, in training camp, or even though it's a shortened training camp right now, coming back every day though you're coming in, you have an opportunity to meet. You have an opportunity to practice. You you know, the the sole focus is on, you know, your installation, your execution, your attention to detail, uh, your practice habits, your, your systematic details, without having to have a ton of compete. Uh, against other teams so that should help you know elite athletes nhl type players if you're really uh, concise in your video exactly what you want to have to have have them do put them in situations like that on the ice they can get up and running pretty quickly the nice thing is that's where our focus is our focus isn't you know when i came in in january and february we were still trying to do some of these things at a much less level but also you know, you're you're going every other day, playing hockey games, traveling, and 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 dealing with those sort of factors. So sometimes it takes away a little bit of um, how much you can get done in practice. And right now, it's 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 execution and detail. So he spoke of elite players. So elite players, Roman Yossi comes to mind because he's good at hockey. Shocker, right? He's elite. I would say he would fall into that category, right? He's pretty good. He's kind of good. Roman Yossi, a little bit of a good defenseman. He stops the bucks. He does the puck in the net. You know, a little bit of things he does right. Uh, Roman Yossi, Norris Trophy finalist, Roman Yossi, who, in my mind, yeah, call me a homer or whatnot, should absolutely win this award because of his play in both ends of the ice and not just because he can put up points, John Carlson, but also what he can do mm-hmm. to enter the zone, zone entries, what he does in the defensive end, what he does when he's going up against the top talent from other teams as well. But it's also a big thing, too, with his teammates because his teammates help him be better. And so I made sure to ask him that question, too, because we all know hockey players are great about talking about their teammates. They're not the best at talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So I had to spin the question, like, what do your teammates do to make you a better defenseman, Roman? Um, a lot. I mean, I think uh, hockey is its the ultimate uh, team game. And um, 
he can't really do much if you if you don't have your teammates. And um, I think especially with us in 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 our system, uh, our forwards are doing such a good job of um, involving us um, as team and into the offense. Um, um, yeah, like like I said, you can't do anything without your teammates, and I think our system allows us to to jump up. And then obviously, um, my partner Ryan Ryan Ellis, who I've been playing with for a long time, uh, I think we know each other pretty well. But he's such a such a rock back there, and um, I love playing with him. And he's been he's been awesome for me uh, to play with, and um, he's always there making the right place. But um, yeah, like I said, um, all those guys that. Uh, my nomination is definitely a big, big thank you to them, and they, they had a huge part in it. See, much, much better answer when you having to talk about Such the teammates. Such a team sport, I love team it. Team sport, yeah. Okay, well, that was Roman Yossi, and now up next, we we obviously have to preview the Arizona Coyotes, and that's what the players are going to be playing. So we're going to talk with Matt Lehman. He's with AZ Sports over there in Arizona, and we're going to get the inside scoop on the Arizona Coyotes from him. That's coming up next here on Penalty Box Theater here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Hearing that beat brings back some memories. Mm-hmm. That's some old school. Got my groove going. I feel really old now, Elijah. When you Elijah. refer to 50 Cent as old school, that makes me feel old. <laughs> you're, so, you're supposed to make us feel young and vibrant. <laughs> hey, this yep. is like the most fifth grade thing I could have thought of. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh! No. Which if I that made you feel old before, I don't know how, how much worse that And made actually, it. I just aged myself because I said you're supposed to make us feel hip. And nobody says that anymore. <laughs> no, no, they really don't. Oh boy. Alright, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell here. Producer Lodge behind the glass. Let's talk Arizona Coyotes next. We have Matt Lehman with AZ Sports. Join us online. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we've had this long break. We're all looking forward to watching live hockey happen for the first time in a, in a long time. So, just want to get your personal thoughts. Just what are you looking forward to most about this March Madness-style hockey tournament that we're about to experience? Well, for one, I'm just glad that they're doing something, right? Isn't that the, the thing we're all looking forward to most? <laughs> is uh, There's not going to be any more time of us just sitting around remembering what used to be. We're actually going to have live hockey on TV, but... Um, you know, I, I think what's really interesting to me about this format is, uh, is that, you, you know, it's an expanded number of teams that are involved. You're going to get a, get to see some matchups that we probably wouldn't have otherwise, if not for the pandemic. Um, you're going to get to see some premium players play in the playoffs that we probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, so I just think for that reason, it'll be interesting. And, and plus, you know, you never know, you see it in college basketball with their, with their, you know, huge tournament, right? You get these upsets and you see some, some, uh, teams advance that you wouldn't have expected, um, obviously, this isn't single elimination, so you might not have as much of that. But um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, really good hockey. And Matt, Justin and I were just talking about just kind of walking through the Preds' first scrimmage um, and wanted to get some insight on what's going on over there. I know in the first scrimmage last week, um, Coach Rick said that there was still some rust and the pace was a little bit slower than it needed to be um, with the team that was needing to you know, transition so quickly into playoff mode because obviously none of these guys are used to that. So what are you seeing? Are you seeing any drills or systems or anything um, specific to getting that team back to where they need to be to play that quicker, more aggressive game? Yeah, you know, Tocket actually said on Monday of this week that he, he's felt like each scrimmage or each practice that they've had, depending on the day, 
um, has gotten better. And so that's encouraging if you're, if you're, you know, rooting for the coyotes, I suppose, um, <laughs> is that they've, you know, I, the, the report at least from him is that they've shaken off some of the rust. They scrimmaged today. They played a, a three period scrimmage. They were 12 minute periods. Um, and I asked him, I said, you know, what do you think? Is it still improving? And he, he said, he said that today's scrimmage was somewhere between average and good, but it wasn't quite good, but it was better than average. <laughs> kind of a kind of a funny answer, but he's a he's a high expectation guy. Um, he he he's a he's a stern but fair person, and uh, so it doesn't surprise me that um, you know he's always able to find criticism in a good way and in a constructive way for his team. Uh, but I think I think that they feel like they're trending in the right direction, but they know that once they get to Edmonton, uh, they can't there can't be any rust anymore. They're going to have to hit the ground running for sure. And this matchup is presented very uniquely because Arizona, very stingy when it comes to letting in goals. The Predators have had some inconsistencies in scoring goals, and so that creates just a great matchup in terms of what we don't know what to expect. But looking in, in terms of the crease, there's a situation there with, with two good goaltenders that absolutely can play both for both teams. Yusuf Saros Pecorine for the Predators and then Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta for the Coyotes. What is the, What are the expectations now coming out of Arizona for who do you think is going to get the start there? And do you think because of the back-to-back that both goalies are going to see action? Yeah, I, I do think that both goalies would play, I, I would imagine. Um, and I, I think that the Coyotes see it that way. That's one of the strengths of their, of their team. Um, you know, the, the Coyotes acquired Antti Ranta a few years ago with the expectation that he was going to be their number one starter, that he was going to be their starting goaltender. They believed that he could do that. And really, when he's been on the ice, he's proven them right. I mean, he has been really, really good um, when he's been healthy. It's just for him being healthy has been a bit of an issue. And, and then you look at Darcy Kemper, there's a bit of, I think, recency bias there with Kemper because if you ask the fan base, I think a lot of people really see Darcy Kemper as the team's starting goaltender. Um, I just, I don't personally see it that way. I mean, he has been most recently this season. He was on the ice a lot um, and, and he was often getting, getting the starts when both goaltenders were healthy. But I, I really think that the organization believes and the stats back this, that both goaltenders um, really are kind of on level footing with one another. I tweeted out a stat the other day. I couldn't even believe it when I found it, and I still almost don't even believe it, <laughs> that over the, over the past three seasons in the NHL, among goaltenders who have played at least 30 games, they are one and two in the NHL in save percentage. Darcy Kemper's number one and Ranta is number two in their teammates. So um, anyway, to answer your question, I would imagine that Darcy Kemper gets the start in the beginning just because I think that's where the momentum kind of was back when the season was still going. But you never know. They might throw a curveball at Nashville and start Ranta. And, you know, maybe maybe they say to heck with momentum. It's been months now. It's basically like a clean slate. We'll just go with the guy that looks good. Um, so I think it's kind of a crapshoot at this point. It's hard to say. We know that feeling here with what we're seeing as well. So the feeling's mutual for what we're seeing here. Uh, Matt Lehman, who's covering the Arizona Coyotes for AZ Sports over in Arizona, they're previewing the Coyotes and Predators matchup coming up. And so we're looking at this. It's the 6-11 matchup. And when we look at March Madness, weird things can happen sometimes with the 6-11. and 11. And granted, these two teams are only separated by, what, four points in terms of this. But granted, kind of games played make a difference in that too. But do you think – because the Predators were also underachieving, that the Coyotes were one of those teams that were underachieving, especially given the talent that is on that roster? Yeah, 100%. I, I completely agree with that assessment, just because I, I do see these teams as, as similar. Um, they're, they're teams that, you know, maybe 
maybe somewhat different. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I probably would have had Nashville as a hot starter. You know, if you had told me at the beginning of the season that they would have made a coaching change, I would have been really surprised. Um, and, and, but I think, you know, the talent is there. And I would say the same thing about the Coyotes. You know, the Coyotes at one point were in first place in the Pacific Division this season. Um, so the fact that they, you know, got to the point where they weren't even in a playoff position anymore really was kind of an indictment of their ability to sustain their success down the stretch. And it's not like they're a bad hockey team. It's just that they didn't play to the, to the level that they're capable of. Uh, and, and as you touched on a moment ago, and as we talked about, they have good goaltending. They've been one of the best defensive teams in the NHL over the past couple of years. And they historically, this year and the past couple of years, have a really good penalty kill. So that really just probably speaks, I would say, to how much they've struggled scoring goals. Um, and that has been an issue for them, which is ironic for a team that has not only Phil Kessel, but then added Taylor Hall and then also has a top 10 pick on its forward group in Clayton Keller. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of, it kind of makes you scratch your head sometimes. And, and for them, that's really their bugaboo. They have to score goals. And when they score goals, uh, go figure, they're pretty darn successful most of the time. Um, but they just, they seem to have trouble when they have to get into those situations on nights where it takes them three to four goals to, to win a game. But because they're so stingy defensively, there's not many of those nights for them. So, to me, that's that's kind of the X factor. The, the fact that you said bugaboo instantly put you up in top three guests we've ever had in the we show. We both looked at each other and we're <laughs> like, it. man, that was so good. It's be- it beautifully put in the statement, too. Love it. So props to you on using bugaboo in a, in a sentence like that. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. We might need to make that a little a Oh, little that's a clip. clip. That's yeah. a clip. So before we have to let you go, you mentioned a couple of these names, especially Taylor Hall, Phil Kessel, and even Clayton Keller. The, the household names that people would know from this team, plus Oliver Ekman Larson. What's another player that you think maybe is underappreciated by the league that people should keep an eye on in the series from the Arizona Coyotes? Hmm. Well, you know, I personally, I, I would say Jacob Chikrin is one of those. Um, and, and I like Christian Dvorak as well up in the forward group. I think Christian Dvorak is a guy that, that maybe not a lot of people know about, partly because he just, hasn't been on the ice that much. He played 78 games in each of his first two NHL seasons, and he had 15 goals each of those years. And then last year he was hurt, so he only played 20 games and he had two goals. So he's just when you think about the Coyotes, you think about the guys that you mentioned, you know, the the, the Phil Kessels and the Taylor Halls, and and then even Darcy Kemper and OEL and so on. But you know, this year 70 games, 18 goals for a Coyotes team that struggles to score, those are pretty good numbers. Um, and, and I think that he's a talented guy that can do a lot of things on the ice. Um, he's a really quiet person. He's, he doesn't, you know, Shane Doan, I remember made, he was joking about how Christian Dvorak scored some ridiculous overtime goal to win at Washington a few years ago. And he like, didn't even crack a smile. So Dvorak's kind of funny cause he's a low key guy, even as a person. Um, but then even his reputation, I think sometimes goes overlooked, but, um, he could be a guy that could be a standout center for them when he's on his game. And I think he's, uh, He's a really talented player, and he's a former second-round pick, so we'll see. There you have it, folks. Some names to look at as we're coming up to the series. It's going to begin in, what, about about a week and a half. So looking forward to this series. Uh, I know the Predators fans, if anything, they, they want to brush off those horrors of 2012. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully no <laughs> nightclubbing will happen this time for some of the players in that team. But, but, Matt, we appreciate you joining us and giving us some insight on the Coyotes. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, folks. That is Matt Lehman. He covers the Arizona Coyotes for AZ Sports. You can follow him at Matt J. Lehman on Twitter. So some great stuff there from Matt Lehman, giving some insight there, too. And that's what I think is the thing, too, is 
want people to be aware of some of the other names on this team because I feel like the Coyotes are one of those teams that obviously they don't get talked about as much, mm-hmm. um, but they have plenty of stars. They have some star power in the team, and Taylor Hall obviously is one of the big ones, Phil Kessel too, but they have plenty of young talent and a mix of young and veteran talent on that team, which can make for very dangerous things. Yeah, dangerous and very entertaining. I mean, if you're watching from a perspective of not pulling for either team, <laughs> it can be very interesting, and you want to know you know, what to be looking for, who to be looking for, and so forth. So. It makes for exciting times. I'm actually very, very excited. I agree with him. There's a lot of similarities with mm-hmm. these two teams, and I think that those end up sometimes being some of the best matchups. Absolutely. Okay, up next, Milwaukee Admirals head coach Carl Taylor. He's been here at Preds training camp, obviously working with a lot of his players and players that he's coached before as well. So that's up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Elijah, spinning them tunes. Man, I'm getting it going. I like that beat. This is a uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien beat. <laughs> also known as the guy from the Gorillas. Oh, okay. okay. That Got makes it. sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, folks, excited to have this next gentleman on. We have the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals, Carl Taylor, joining us. Carl, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, I'm still I'm still waiting for that beer though from when you first got named head coach and you were a little late to your your press scrum. <laughs> well, well, I still got your back. That's guaranteed. <laughs> well, at coach, some point. At some point, it, when when things are a little more close to normal. Yeah. <laughs> so. Carl, it's it's been quite a year for you, I'm sure. So first of all, I just want to touch on the tremendous success that the Milwaukee Admirals had. I mean, obviously a huge bummer to not be able to compete in the playoffs, but the success this team had, what did that mean to you as a coach to see this team, your team, come together so well during that season? Well, I, I think it's uh, a credit to obviously the players we had, but also uh, the, the job the staff did together, myself and my assistants and our management group. And then also the way the players received it, but uh, it meant everything. Look, we're we're in the business of winning, and we want to develop players. And our uh, our focus is on pushing prospects uh, north to Nashville a lot sooner if we can to help them accelerate the growth and increase the assets. But hey, let's not kid ourselves. We're in the business of winning. We want to win, and we did a lot of that this year. So we're extremely proud of what we did. No, absolutely. It's definitely something to be proud of. And second year being in Milwaukee and obviously coming in and seeing there's lots of different prospects, some veterans as well that have been in the AHL too. What's something that you learned from your players? What's something that now two seasons in that you've learned from the people that you've coached? Well, the guys we had, like in it, uh, the first year there was more turnover, obviously with uh, the change in management and coaching in Milwaukee. There was a change of the guard a little bit. So uh, some guys got moved out. Some other guys got brought in. But I think what you learn from the players is just if you treat them the right way, they're going to reward you with a, a dedication level that you're trying to reach. And in the old days, you might have done it a little differently to get them to push through things. But now we're treating them the right way. We're walking with people. We're trying to assist them. We're trying to convince them of what they can achieve. And if you look at some of the people that have moved on to Nashville, you know, Rocco Grimaldi, he's with us for a month or two months. He's an older player, gets a second chance. Now he solidified himself. Jared Tenorti, Colin Blackwell. These are all guys that were 
through a, a one organization or two, and they were getting a second look. And we were able to help that group move on. Obviously, <coughs> excuse me. Obviously, the player had to do it in the end, but we were able to provide the opportunity and the guidance to assist them. And then, based on merit, they got an opportunity and they made the most of it. So, uh, I think the be- the most I've learned from the players is that you you treat them well, and they're going to treat you well back with their effort and their attitude. And Carl, often when we talk about players, you know, we analyze the game, we we talk about often what specific players are doing right, what they're doing wrong, what they could have done better, but especially when we're looking at the prospects who are potentially coming to Nashville. But I kind of want to expand on that just for the depth overall. In an audio clip that we shared earlier um, in the show, Coach Hines touched on the internal competition that exists when the guys come from Milwaukee, come up to Nashville, playing with the pros, from a coaching perspective, what does that added dynamic do for the younger players, just from a mental perspective, when they're when they're playing potentially for a spot on an NHL roster? Well, everyone wants to always do the best they can. It doesn't matter what your job is or what your lot in life is. Everyone wants to be appreciated. Everyone wants to feel what they do matters. And they also want to feel like they can control and change the future. So if you can create that as a coach, whether it's in Milwaukee or when these people come into this situation, we have some players here that are fighting with an opportunity to hopefully move on with the group and go to Edmonton and, and assist when called on. I think all those things, you always want to put your best foot forward. Our group is definitely trying to do that. When you get the positive peer rivalries, there's nothing better. And, you know, iron sharpens iron. We've all heard that saying, but it's the truth. And if you get people challenging each other, we've all done it in life. We look for the easy road sometimes, and players are the same way at times. You know, hey, you grab, we're doing a drill. You grab the guy that you know you're going to, you know, just kind of work together. But why don't you go grab the guy that you know that's going to make you better and really challenge you? And the group in Milwaukee has done a great job of that. When they come up to uh, Nashville, they're all trying to cut their teeth and prove themselves. And I think that's part of the part of the process. And, it sounds like uh, Coach Hines has the same uh, ideas that I do in that area. There's no question. Positive peer rivalries will make everyone better, and then the team environment will also increase. Yeah, and we've absolutely seen that during training camp, too. A lot of battles going on. And joining us right now is Milwaukee Admirals head coach Carl Taylor on Penalty Box Radio. And, and Carl, looking at this, too, your experience now with training camp, obviously a little bit different type of training camp, having it in July here. So overall, what's your experience been like here these, these past week and a half and, and working with this team and getting them ready and set to go on to play in the qualifying round in the playoffs? Yeah, for me, it's uh, you're coming in and you want to assist and help. And anything you get asked to do, you just try to fill in and do the best you can and uh, just assist the coaching staff, but also help the players. Uh, I think uh, my experience has been is that John's been uh, excellent to work with. Uh, did not know him prior to this experience. Uh, great coach, great communicator, very focused in what he's doing and he's uh, welcomed me in uh, with open arms. And so that, that's always, uh, again, like I said previously, the players, you always want to feel like you make a difference. And John's definitely got that situation here from a coaching staff perspective. And and I, th- I think overall the opportunity to uh, come in, see where we're at, get to know John, get to understand the changes he's made, uh, that just gives us a, a leg up moving forward um, as an organization to get the continuity throughout it with the systems and how both coaches look at how we should play the game. Excellent. And, and 
performance on the ice aside, I'm sure this has been one of those things where just being able to step on the ice, be at the rink, and have a little slight sense of normalcy and forgetting to what's going on in the outside world has kind of helped mentally. Is that would you would you confirm that? Was that something where it's just a breath of fresh air to be able to come in and just have a little bit of time where you're just focusing on hockey and nothing else? Well, there's no question you get on the ice and you do a couple laps and your cheeks get a little cold and you get a little <laughs> tear in your eye because the wind's blowing. There's no better feeling in the world on a clean sheet. And uh, I, I would agree with you. Um, it, it's a very difficult time in society and everything that we're dealing with right now. And we're all trying to take care of our families and our friends and make good decisions and try to get through this situation. And to get back on the ice, it's something we've done for a very long time for most of the coaches in the organization. It does feel a little more normal. You know, there's some different processes that we're involved with to stay safe, and we welcome those. And hopefully everything everything keeps continuing moving forward so that uh, we get some hockey playing and it's getting closer. It's coming. And so hopefully everything keeps moving forward. But, yeah, it's it's great to get that feel again and also get back coaching and teaching and helping these athletes uh, stretch themselves and reach for levels they weren't sure they were going to reach to. And before we have to let you go, just that scrimmage today was a little bit different than the one that took place over the weekend. It was definitely more of a game-like atmosphere with game ops being presented and everything as well. Just what were your thoughts just on the scrimmage today where it was amped up to an even greater level from what we've seen the past couple of days? Well, you know, it's it's, a, it's kind of a difficult uh, – every team has to deal with this situation. Everyone's going to do it a little different. But playing in front of no fans, especially in – in Nashville, where the arena and the fan experience is extraordinary, it's it's difficult process for the players. So, the whole the whole key of today was to get them to understand it doesn't matter if there's no fans or what's occurring; the game's going to happen. So we need to bring our A game. You need to motivate yourself and not get stuck in lulls and try to fight through those moments when uh, you're not sure. It's it's just a it's a weird experience, and so for our group. And the Nashville group and the guys that played today, they did a great job. We're trying to simulate what it's going to be like. That's why the game's at a certain time. We're trying to match the times in Edmonton. We're trying to do everything we can to cross out everything possible to make sure the players are most prepared to play great when the puck drops in the exhibition game and then into the qualifying series against Arizona. So uh, I thought it was a great day today, lots of energy. The guys are really staying with it, and uh, we're moving in the right direction. Excellent. Well, Carl, as always, we appreciate your insight and it's taken a look a little bit deeper as well. And so very much appreciate you speaking with us tonight. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. I always, always enjoy it. And uh, the beer is a guarantee, and now it's up to two. <laughs> All right, two. All right, I'll, I'll hold you to that. <laughs> Carl, right, thanks so much. All right, talk to you soon. <laughs> Carl Taylor, head coach of the Milwaukee Animals, been down here with Preds training camp going on and uh, two beers now. I know. You're just you're just racking them up. I'm I'm racking them up. We need to get the virus over so I can have some beers. (laughs) (laughs) But interesting to hear what he said too, just about getting them into a rhythm, especially with the game times Mm -hmm. and why they're doing things in a certain way uh, for this stuff as well. So I really always appreciate his insight. It's always fascinating to me to hear a coach's perspective because we do, as people who are watching the game, you spend so much time analyzing players and so it's always nice to have one just him to come on the show because we absolutely love his insight but just from in general a coaching perspective it just gives us a glimpse into something that we don't get to see on the ice you know we get to see a product of 
their systems and what they're trying to instill in the players, but it's it's nice to hear the words. It is, and John Hines has been great at that as well. Mm. I've oh, really he's been liked. Very great at that. Yes, he's very good at describing stuff, and I'm trying to pay more attention in practice to ask him specifics about things. Just like there was a drill they're running where he's yelling at the defense, "Squeeze the rush, squeeze the rush," and he's working on gap control with them mm-hmm. and making they're just practicing over and over just drills on making sure that the blue liners were squeezing it down so there was not an easy zone entry for the forward. So. Breaking that down, he's more than willing to break things down and help teach people the game. You can tell. I I love that. Having a teacher as a coach goes a long way in this game. So, okay, up next, it's back Q&A time. And, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to answering some of these questions. It's been a long time. Nostalgia from four months ago. All right, all that up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer lives behind the glass. And bravo, first time doing PBR and love the variety and the, ch- the song selection tonight, Elijah. I wouldn't say it's my first time doing PBR. If, sorry, wrong PBR. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I'll get, I'll get an A+. Plus. I'll, I'll take the A+. Plus. We were silently well, over here it. scoring you. You did great. Yeah. yeah, good. Yes. Yeah. I had to get a variety in there. Mm-hmm. Fully approve. <laughs> had to take it out of the big guns early. Love it. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but NHL Seattle has released that their name is coming mm-hmm. out tomorrow. We just found this out while we were sitting here. Yeah, while we're sitting here. So, Glenn, I'll ask you, what do you hope it will be? Well, originally, my idea was the Seattle Bucks because Starbucks seattle it's the home it makes sense but everybody laughed at me and told me i was an idiot so like i'm laughing I right think now that, yeah i mean let's be honest it works but <laughs> not everybody thinks the same way i do so i'm gonna go with the sockeyes okay because of the fish theme you know you're throwing around fish at the fish market in seattle um and then when people get sucked in the eye you know like hockey players at punch I don't know. With, between the fish and getting socked in the eye, I'm going to go with the sock eyes. Okay. I think that that's what it will be. Okay. But my hope, want? I want, I want it to be the Kraken. You, Of course you do. I want it to be the Kraken because I want them to do, release the Kraken. <laughs> and like, they will if they were a lot. <laughs> yes. Yes, I would release the Kraken. I just think because it's one of those creatures, too, of myth yeah. where it is impending doom and everything like that. Sockeyes, I think, totally works fine. I'm yeah. not one of those people who like, that, that stinks. Well, yeah, but, that's why I think that that's it. It's not what I right. would want because I want something a little fair. more fun. Very, very but, fair. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy Kraken. Now, yeah. I want to ask Elijah, what do, what do you think? What do you think about Seattle? Personally, as a lifelong NBA fan, I, I just bring back the Supersonics. Like they're okay. not coming yeah. back anyway. Let's just have a Supersonics hockey team. You have the nice green, yellow color scheme, right? And yeah, and yeah. something about Supersonic just sounds like you know what? Let's have a good time tonight. Supersonic. I don't know. It just sounds it energetic, right? Or it sounds just- fun. <laughs> Are you laughing because my hands are flailing or because of my... A little bit of both. <laughs> Supersonics just sounds fun. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. I, I can deal with that. So you really don't think, you don't think the basketball team will ever come back? No, unfortunately. No. It, was a, it was an ugly divorce over there in Seattle from what I've read and heard. So mm-hmm. as I much know. as I wanted to come back, this is the closest I can get for my dream to become a reality. So it's like, I'll take it. I'll take know, what I can get. Does anybody know why I saw people saying that they wanted them to be called the Battle Cattles? 
The battle cattle. I've never heard that. I don't know. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, that's what I saw a few people say. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I'll have to Google it. I, we'll I, report back. I tend to like the Emerald City pigeons. Oh, yeah. I, t- yeah. <laughs> I tend to like that one uh, quite s- well. Sea lions sounds very not intimidating. I would be like, oh, it's the sea lions. <laughs> and how do you really chant that? Oh, it's the suck ice. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of fish thrown on that ice, the, too. The, oh, so. oh, yeah. oh, boy. There's yeah. going to be a competition there. Okay, let's, let's get to our questions here. We have Jason ask. With some of the Milwaukee guys joining the training camp, who do you think is most likely to crack the lineup? Well, first of all, they have the guys that are already there that have been with the team, like Blackwell and Trennan. I think if there's more injuries or something like that, so I think that's when you're going to see the likes of an Ellie Tolvanen potentially getting the opportunity there, or Rem Pitlick, perchance, too. Ellie Tolvanen, though, has skated with the main group a few times during training camp, so I think he would be the top of the list after Blackwell, Trennan, and continue it on there. Ellie Tolvanen, people kind of groan when they hear his name now but he was actually turning it on before the pause happened he was actually putting it together and that's why i hate to see it because it looked like it was starting to click a little bit more and people groan but it's like he's still young still give him a little more time i don't want to keep drawing it on but he still deserves a little bit more time to develop because he was finally putting it together uh brandon asked are you becoming a better chef at home i mean uh, i think i am yeah i think that i am because i'm the only judge so i think i'm doing great (laughs) Actually, I'm getting a little bit better about being like, okay, this is what I have. What can I make out of this? Usually I'm terrible at that. But this has kind of forced me to do that. You know, when you buy groceries for three weeks at a time and (laughs) you make it work. You do. I've enjoyed making new recipes Mm -hmm. and trying different things out and then adjusting recipes on my own to think, oh, this will be a little bit better like that. And utilizing lots of local businesses as well and and Mm -hmm. getting fruit and vegetables and meat and everything from local places has been awesome too just mm-hmm. to try to, try to support those small businesses and making delicious meals it's been a lot of fun yeah. and utilizing my cast iron a lot oh see i don't oh, have yeah. a cast iron oh. Oh. by a look on your face i gotta get oh. me one. <laughs> oh yeah and you're judging that i don't have one no no no, <laughs> no i'm not they're they they're a big to do to, to maintain they are, and, and that's why well, i don't so. have one it's because it's like i don't need a laundry list of things to do to clean the thing you just know make your cat do it like okay he has big paws he does have big you can paws. clean it <laughs> <laughs> okay this one comes from chris uh, with a virtual stoppage of the season and then restarting months later with exhibitions and tournament can the preds get hot quick enough in order to advance i think they absolutely can because mm-hmm. it's a mental reset what we saw with the natural predators and the problem was they mentally a lot of times weren't in it they have the talent there but they weren't putting things together and mm-hmm. i think with a rehash of training camp and getting this new system instilled and having a fresh start it can bode really well for them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I definitely think that it's possible. And I think that what we're seeing so far, it's a very, very, very small sample size. So you can't really judge too much. A lot of this is all just speculation right now. But I definitely think that they have that that mindset that's going to be able to shift them to that next level that we talked about last well not last season but my gosh well, months ago se- yeah. season in terms of like exactly winter a season yeah <laughs> but um but yeah i 100 percent think that they've they've definitely got it in them and i think that they're they're showing us now that they're headed in the right direction so. then the last time we had a show was in the winter it wasn't spring yet oh yeah that's right it was still early so it was March. technically still yeah so now we've winter. skipped a season we skipped an entire season and so now even, we're already even, in late summer. Even if I said last season, talking about the seasons, I'd have to say second to last season. Second to last season. Jeez. Ugh. 
Okay, Jonah asks, who's been the most surprising player at training camp? I think one of the guys that has stood out to me has been Kyle Turris. He's been one of those guys. And Yusuf Saros has looked great as well. Uh, Pecorine, it's hard to gauge a lot of the, with goaltenders, especially in the difference between practice and games. And we'll get to a question on that because everybody's like, who's going to start in that? But I've, I've liked what Kyle Turris has been doing. I've liked the Jofa line, what they've been able to do. Roman Yossi, though, it's hard to not say him, even though the expectation is that he would be really good at camp. But he is a beast. He just keeps surprising us, even when you know he's good. Yeah, you could still be surprised. Yeah, he just <laughs> that, looks. Wow, he, he looks so dang good out there. His game. Yeah, he looks yeah. so dang good out there. He 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 looks like he should be nominated and should win the Norris Trophy <laughs> with what he's doing out there. I've really enjoyed him. Boyd asks, "How many years will the combination of stress and alcohol intake of Game One take off my life?" Uh, I'll oh. say. Five, five and a half years. Yeah, I was about to say, Boyd, I hate to tell you, but it's not looking good. It's not looking good, Boyd. (laughs) Game one, shoot. I think people are going to be stressed out at the exhibition game. Like, no injuries, no injuries, no injuries, no injuries. Screw you, Corey Perry. No injuries, no injuries, no injuries. (laughs) I think that's what it's going to be like in that one. I mean, the, the league goes out and puts these exhibition games with teams that are rivals. Right. Like, what are you trying to do? I know. I mean, this is talking about getting people amped up. Yeah. Well, people are going to be the, amped up. To the, yeah, umph degree. Yeah, umph degree. There's, there's, people still have plenty of feelings when they hear stars. Yeah, even from a few seasons back. Get it? <laughs> Ex- a couple oh. seasons back. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, next question. Okay, Rob asks, Jofa have been practicing together. Do you think the line stays together? Yes. Mm-hmm. For right now. Until yeah. there's a reason to change things, these lines are going to stay the same, where it's Jofa, which is Johansson, and Forsberg, Arvidsson, Duchesne with, with Mikhail Glenland, and... Kyle Turris, and then the American line, Benito, Grimaldi, Smith. And then I think the fourth line is where you might see some fluctuations more than anything else. I think that's where you could see, depending on maybe matchups um, or opponent further on down. But I think matchups based on home team is where you could see differences in the fourth line, whether it's Austin Watson in there or Yakov Trenner and Colin Blackwell. Same thing with the D pairings. I think for now, Dan Hamhuis, Yannick Weber. Then you also have the Tenority and Holza line. Uh, Holza pair, sorry. I think that's, that's good. A lot of things are going to depend. But that, the good thing there is you have you have ability to change things if you need to. You're not just depending all on one thing because I think those are the ones that can be fluctuated as well in an okay way. But it's more so that, oh, gosh, we have to rely on these guys necessarily. The third pairing is always going to be the weakest pairing because it's just built that way. For cap space and everything, the third pairing is going to be the weakest. But to know you have other guys and come in at least be serviceable is the biggest part there. Okay, next question. This one comes from Stefan. Who's starting in net? I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. It's hard to gauge on just a scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it's going to come down to they have another scrimmage tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then they have an exhibition game. It's judging based on what you're seeing out of those. You cannot base it necessarily on what we saw back in February and March. Yeah, Saros was playing great, but we know well, yeah, he's a slow starter. Well, yeah, slow starter and we just all, as people, had a huge reset, right? So, right. I mean, this is this is starting with – three, four months being off. So I think that you have to get a little bit more of a sample size to be able to say who you really think they're going to start in net. You've got to get some more of these scrimmage in. You've got to get the exhibition game. And then you just kind of have to see how it plays out. But it's like no matter what we saw out of Pecorine, yeah, he might have let four pass him today, but tomorrow's scrimmage could be the opposite. You see Saros could have the exact same thing happen to him and And Pekka could be lights out. So then you're (laughs) – yeah, so – I think you've got to get a little bit more out there on the table to kind of see. Absolutely. And last question before we have to go. This is from Linda. (laughs) 
Which young demon do you feel may have a shot at playing time, if any? Things are going to be tough because there's already two more there. But if there is, potentially a Steve Santini or Jeremy Davies, potentially. But there's gonna, it's going to take a lot of change or injuries to, to have that happen there. Uh, but I like Jeremy Davies' game overall. I'm excited to see him grow up in the system to see because he's part of the P.K. Subban trade. So to see how he develops and what he turns into in defense. Well, Glenn, it's been great being back in studio. It it's has been, been. It's been great. It's been a long time. It's still light outside. It's, it's hot light. outside. It's weird. It's this weird. It's so weird. And big thanks to Elijah Campbell for taking care of us tonight. Appreciate you, Elijah. And, folks, thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And for more information for all the coverage that we have at training camp, go to PenaltyBoxRadio.com. For Elijah and Glenn, this is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.